This is Simple Roots Radio, episode 46, and today we're going to talk about what to do when nothing's working and it seems like you're doing everything right. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to help you break it down into the basics and allow you to live a simplistic and healthy life that you enjoy. Because it's all about getting health, living happy, and finding joy. So today we're going to do that through finally getting rid of the confusion that lies around metabolism and help you break free and make changes that will work to allow you to overcome the hurdle of stalled weight loss once and for all. And before we get into today's show, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor for the show and a company that is very near and dear to my heart, Well Labs. Well Labs is an online nutrition company working to put nutrition and functional medicine into words you can understand and use to make your life better. It's the place to get high quality supplements and give back to those in need at the exact same time. Each purchase of this physician-grade supplements helps to provide preventative medicine to kids who can't afford it. That can include school gardens, stress management, music therapy, and yoga, just to name a few. Well Labs works to provide to underprivileged children because we know healthy kids will make healthy adults. Well Labs is founded and ran by two incredible women that I personally have the privilege of knowing, and I can promise they are bringing you some of the best supplements on the market. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you about another one of my favorite products that Well Lab provides, which could be a great fit for helping you get through the blues of the winter months. And one more exciting announcement I announced last week on the show, I have finally released my five-day hormonal reset program that can help get your metabolism back in check and allow you to feel better in just five days. I have so many exciting things to tell you about it, but not enough time. So head on over to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 046 to learn more and stick around in the coming weeks as we continue to break down our hormonal flow, metabolism, and how to get your body working at its best. But for now, let's get back to the show. Today, I'm going to share four things that you could be doing to help you get unstuck, to overcome the plateau, and to finally lose weight even when it appears you're doing everything else right. So let's get right to the show. Do you feel like you're doing everything right and yet you're still not losing weight or you're still not achieving the health that you desire? Well, today's show is for you. Well, there are a lot of reasons going into effect on why you can't lose weight and you seem to be doing everything right, I'm gonna break it down into four reasons that could be preventing you from hitting your goal. But before we get into that, I first want to clarify just really quickly what makes you gain weight, and then we can talk about how to fix it. Because I feel like there's this big myth surrounding weight gain and weight loss in that it's just a calorie problem. Calories do go into account, right? Eating far too many of the wrong calories can, in fact, make you gain weight. 
But calories in versus calories out is a very simplified equation to a very complex problem, one that we will simplify, don't worry. But that simple equation really just doesn't work long-term for anyone simply because it takes out of the equation so many important factors. So we're gonna give you a new equation, not one that you necessarily need to measure or work with. I'm not a huge fan of equations or measuring or counting anything, but rather just living a realistic lifestyle, getting it into our heads that we can't diet and then live life, that we have to live life and diet and be healthy altogether and not separate the two. And I think that's where lasting weight loss comes from. But getting back to the equation, it's far bigger than just that simple equation. And if that simple equation were true, and it was actually how we achieve lasting health, let's be honest, we would be a nation of thin, healthy people because that's such a simple equation to follow. But we're finding that in, that the majority of people who try to follow that equation, it just fails time and time again. It doesn't work. But here's the deal. It's not necessarily just a calorie issue. The science even backs it up that sleep deprivation and stress are just as big as factors as eating too many calories. Yet these things don't have calories and you can't even eat them. Yet they impact whether we store or burn fat just as much, if not more, than what calories we're actually eating. Not to mention, outside of fat, they also greatly affect our hunger, our motivation to work out, and our cravings. I would even go further to say that our overall lifestyle, from our mindset to our joy to our happiness and our productivity is even affected by our sleep deprivation and stress. Because let's be honest, right? I'm a mom to three young girls and the days of sleep deprivation are very real. We're no longer in them, so to say, but the nights, the sleepless nights for five plus years, they just drag on and that increases stress levels. That sleep deprivation makes you more hungry, it makes you moodier, it makes you less productive and really less motivated to do anything. So that's a real deal. And there's a lot of scientific research to back that. You see, when we look at a typical diet, it, it tries to take out of the equation so many important factors and just put in diet and exercise, two things that we think that we have a lot of control over. And it takes out the things that we don't think we have quite as much control over yet have just as big of an impact. The body is a highly complex biochemical machine. It's not a simple math equation. Here's the thing that we have to remember. The body is a highly complex biochemical machine. It's not a simple math equation. And when we really look at what makes us gain weight, it becomes far more complex than simply eat less and exercise more model that the diet industry has led us to believe. The diet industry does not work. And I've stressed that over many, many podcasts. And whether you want to believe it or not, statistically, it's been proven that 98% of all diets will fail. And why? Because it's not a simple math equation. There are so many other things to take into account and things that we're going to talk about today that no one really has brought up that the mainstream diet world and the mainstream media has not taken into account and therefore we don't get it bombarded. You know, I feel like some of this health information was just ingrained into us via osmosis, right? It's everywhere from women's magazines who tell us that we need to be a certain size and have a certain hair color, just like the American dream tells us that we should have a six-figure income, two and a half kids, and perfect teeth, right? Like, there are so many things that have been ingrained into us since birth simply because We've been exposed to it all of our life. So I get this stuff can be hard to get out of your mind, can be hard to see a new way, but I can promise you there's a better way and a simple way and one that actually works. If we can get 
that model outside that it's just as simple as eating less and exercising more and we start to look at other things, we can see that fat gain and weight loss is a multifunctional and very individualized thing. It involves understanding our individual genetics and not holding those against you, but understanding them, understanding our unique metabolic expression, our psychological sensitivities, our mentality, and even personal preference. Even through all of this, there can be kind of an overarching equation. Dr. Tita, Jay Tita, who was on the show last week, was one of the first people to kind of express this equation, which is high fat plus high sugar plus stress, always equates to fat gain. Now you can throw other things into the mix, but stress kind of encompasses all of those other things that we would throw in, like our lifestyle choices, our job, our sleep patterns, and everything else. So if we just look at the equation, we can see high fat plus high sugar plus stress equals fat gain. We've kind of seen that, but not in that similar equation. So it's not something that we need to measure. It's just something that we need to be aware of. And again, stress comes from any process on the body producing long-term cortisol being released, which could come from environmental toxins, beauty toxins, food toxins, a high-stress job, a poor marriage, just being too busy. There are so many things that can create long-term stress. It's not just from one area. And I think it's something to take into account. I This is kind of a side note, but I just heard podcasts on marriages and the guy was not a nutrition expert at all, but what was interesting is that he's finding that when he sees his clients that he's never found any of his clients to have good health until they have a good marriage. And I think it, it, it's so true that he related that in such a obscure way. And the fact that health comes from letting go of stress, from having healthy relationships, from having a healthy relationship with your body. And I think that's the key in long-term health altogether. It's healthy lifestyle, healthy relationships, healthy self-image and self-awareness and a healthy spiritual life. All of these things come together in order to reduce stress, which prevents fat from being gained and in fact allows your body to burn fat. So we need to be aware that all of this stuff comes together and we're going to dig into that more today and it's something I'm super, super excited for, even though it's not as clear as eat this, don't eat that, Again, like I said last week, we are a society and a culture who loves rules or we think we love rules and we think we love strategies, yet at the same time, we're all rebellious by nature and our likelihood that we're actually going to follow those rules long term is really, really slim. I mean, we're all born sinners, right? So there's this part of us inside that just wants to break rules to be rebellious and in most people's cases, personality types. You know, the different personality types, for so many of us, discipline is just not a strength. In fact, it can be a weakness in many aspects of many people's lives, and discipline is really hard to achieve. So it has to be more than that. It's how we integrate it into our lifestyle and our mindset. So now that I've gone on like two rabbit trails, let's get back to this and really break it down. When we talk about why you can't achieve a healthy weight, let's just clarify what a healthy weight is. Because I think, again, for so many of us, we believed the lies of the magazines and the media and the TV industry and Hollywood and Barbie and what a perfectly shaped human being should look like. And in fact, we're all biologically, genetically built differently, right? You can't expect someone with larger bone size to be a size 
zero or a size two or a size four. You know, that's really rare. And so we have to get it out of our head that there is a specific certain size for you or a certain size for all of us. We're all unique and individual. And so as long as we look at weight as our overall goal or measure of success, I think that we're gonna find failure and disappointment time and time again, because it's not a good measure of success. Yes, it's measurable, it's attainable, but it also creates a fight in our body. And I've said this many times before, and I'm a big believer in this, but you can't lose weight to get healthy. And that's what so many people attempt to do. You think you're doing everything right, yet your weight's not coming off, but that doesn't mean you're not achieving some level of health. For most of us, our body has a list of priorities, and weight loss is generally not on the top of that list. If you have a lot of internal problems going on, a lot of hormonal issues, flow issues, cellular issues, our body is gonna work to fix and maintain the most important priorities of your body first, the priorities of homeostasis, of keeping your heart beating and your lungs being able to fill with air. And down the list, eventually it will get to weight loss. But here's the thing, as long as we focus on weight loss, we're gonna fail at this game of life because the only way to achieve lasting weight loss is through health. You have to get healthy in order to achieve realistic, lifelong weight loss. It can't be the other way around. But this requires a system of working with your body instead of against it because no amount of willpower can overcome survival mechanisms. It cannot happen and eventually they'll all come back to bite you. It just won't work and as long as you try to overcome your body and fight your body with willpower, you will lose time and time again and it will create a lot of suffering. So let's break down four things that you could be doing to help you move beyond this issue, to help you see more progress, to help you achieve more health. And it starts with kind of breaking down the myths of the diet and exercise world to overcome the fallacy that diet and exercise is the only way. Again, diet and exercise are just one component of health. There are so many other components, including movement, our mindset, our lifestyle, our genetics, and our individual uniqueness, which we have to take into account. But basically just living off diet and exercise means you believe that there is only one way. And as long as you believe there is only one way, we will fail. First of all, one of the big fallacies that we see in this diet and exercise world and the belief that there is only one way is that we put male and female into the same category. Men and women are two totally different beasts and should be treated that way. We should have two totally different sets of nutritional requirements, of exercise habits, of lifestyle choices, because we are two completely different flows of hormones. A man's hormone flow is based off a 24-hour cycle, where a female's is based off a 28-day cycle. So there's a huge difference in just the flow of hormones, the release of hormones, the response of hormones in both bodies. And so having one set diet and exercise recommendation for both genders is kind of absurd. It, it It's two totally different things. And so we have to understand that there is not one way. Instead, there's an individual way, and that is the only way. Let's take exercise for instance, right? We shouldn't put exercise and movement into the same category because exercise is technically defined as a set period of time where you're working your hardest to work out stronger, longer, really push yourself and develop a lot of muscle mass. Movement on the other hand is just the act of motion. Movement could be defined by what we call NEAT, which is non-exercise associated thermogenesis. This is basically just continuous movement throughout the day. And what research is finding, and probably something when I tell you just makes kind of common sense, but exercise and movement are two totally different things. 
And we try to associate that if we exercise during the day, that is our movement for the day. But here's the deal. We're a, a people who generally sit. You know, a lot of workplaces require us to sit behind a desk or we come home at the end of the day and we sit on the couch and watch TV or we're on our computer or our electronic devices. There's so much of our life that is just seated as opposed to how it used to be where we were up moving more because we grew our own food and hunted our own food and all that stuff. But generally we just sit more. And so what we've done is we were, we've replaced movement with exercise. So now we have a 30, 60, maybe in some cases, 90 minute bout of exercise once throughout the day And we feel like that is all the movement we need. But here's what research is showing is that people who never even exercise, so they don't go to an exercise class, they don't have a set exercise regimen that they do, but the people who are just active all day long, they're walking to the store, they're parking their car further, they're riding their bike to work, they're gardening, they're just up moving. They're kind of going more for a step-based than time-based exercise. So they're going for step-based movement rather than time-based exercise. Those people are statistically far healthier than someone who has a long, intense, hard bout of exercise for 60 minutes and then sits the majority of the rest of the day. So they're even finding that athletes who work out for hours and one sitting and then sit the rest of the day are statistically much more unhealthy than someone who doesn't exercise at all but just has continuous movement. So just to reiterate a few things that could be going wrong here and how you could fix them. One is believing that there's only one way and that means less calories and more movement. As long as we believe that, we'll kind of push our body into a place of what we call survival mode where it will start working against you. And in survival mode, our body really hoards fat cells, it protects them for all their worth because again, survival of the fittest, fat helps your body survive. Whether we like it or not, it's a survival mechanism of a body. It can provide energy when you're not getting energy of other places. So when you're in a calorie deficit and you're not providing enough calories for your body and then you add more movement on top of that, your body thinks that there's a famine, some sort of uh, stress response going on and so it causes what we would call survival mode or hoarding of our fat cells. The other fallacy is that believing that just exercising every day, you know, setting the goal of I'm going to work out 30 minutes every day all year long, sounds great and it can be great, but if you're not including exercise and movement together as two different things, you're not seeing as great a benefit. So if you're just focusing on exercise, I would suggest that you move more towards focusing on movement. Maybe that means buying some kind of exercise tracker like a Fitbit that can count steps and going more for a step-based living rather than duration-based. So, you know, that eight, 10,000 steps plus a day is going to be far more beneficial than extremely intense 90 minute workout. So that's tip one is to kind of get this diet and exercise fallacy out of the way, push it aside and just realize that uh, male and female are two totally different beasts. We have to start honoring ourselves and understand that there is more than one way. And last week, when we talked about the four ways to reset your metabolism, you can go back and kind of go back and see the four different strategies of eat less, exercise less, and eat more, exercise more. All four of those are more clearly explained in that last podcast by Dr. Jay Tita. And you can kind of start to see how variation really will prevent compensation. So make sure you go back and listen to that. But again, getting outside the diet industry is really a big thing. And whether you think that you are or not, I think it takes really stepping to evaluate. Have you let all those lies go? Do you want to believe something different? Can you stop and look at your own life and think, 
yeah, nothing seems to be working even though I'm doing everything right. And so maybe everything right isn't actually right after all. And so kind of changing your pathway. It can be scary, but sometimes it takes a risk in stepping out on a limb to actually find success. Which brings us to number two, kind of goes along with that, that we believe that there's a one size fits all. And this comes from the idea that there's a right and wrong way to do things. Here's the deal. There's no perfect diet plan and all approaches can work, but in some cases will fail miserably for others, right? You see, for instance, you see your friend who's like crushed it on this diet and then you jump on board and you hear all these great things about it and it could be super healthy, but yet it fails. Like you fail. It doesn't work for you and you just find frustration in that. You see, there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. There's a lot of good diet thoughts and philosophies and methods, but those should be used as starting points, not as the end-all be-all. So if you're going to jump on a diet or plan, use it as a starting point, but from there, you have to foster what your own body needs, listen to your body, and kind of create your own way of living. And remember from last week, metabolism is not static. It's constantly changing. And this can be the frustrating thing because I think that we want to find something that's going to work day in and day out, and you can continuously do that. We can see that working more appropriately and efficiently for a male who runs off a 24-hour cycle where they can tend to do the same things day in and day out and not see as great of a change as a woman who can find great frustration because what worked one day doesn't work the next day and things just get chaotic, right? So we have to honor our own body and really learn to listen to that, which is something that we really have had a hard time doing. And something that I want to help teach you to do because self-awareness is going to be the key and it's going to be the big point. Like if you want the the spoiler alert for the big point of this podcast, it's develop self-awareness, understand your body, take these other great diets and set points. Like for instance, the paleo diet can be really great focused on whole foods, but it's a starting point for people. It's not the end all be all. And so from there kind of deriving it into other plans that work for you. So for instance, to take this into my own life, right? Like I think the the paleo diet is really great. Well-rounded diets focused on real foods. So I take that as my start point. And from there, I add or take away things that are within it that maybe my body needs. Like for instance, I am a really big believer that you should have some foods in your diet that bring you satisfaction that you just prefer. And so one food that I really, really love is pizza and on the paleo diet there are many ways to make pizza but it was really never hitting it so you know twice a month I allow myself on Friday night to have pizza but then the rest of the month you know it's it's pretty standard paleo and I'll add a few grains but you know I'm focusing mostly on vegetables and really trying to work that in and just allowing myself the preference of those things it helps to take away of the negative thought the rebellious thought of I can never eat that so now all I want is that um so Really just kind of using that as a standard and allowing yourself give or take based off of your own body. Again, when we look at the one size fits all approach, doing everything right means that you have singled out that there is only one way to do things, which is absolutely false. One good way to measure this is what Dr. Tita explained last week. Again, it's called HEC and his acronym has kind of been the forefront of one of the best biofeedback markers that we have in our body. And HEC stands for hunger, energy, and cravings. And if your HEC is in check, that means your metabolism is on the right path. If your HEC is out of check, that means you need to kind of switch things up and prevent this compensation. So what I mean by that is if you feel like you're pretty satisfied, you have great energy levels and you're you're really not suffering from cravings, 
then you're moving in the right direction with your metabolism. If you're having intense cravings, your hunger is out of whack, or you're having low energy, either all of them or one of them, it generally means you need to switch up how you're doing things and just create a change in your body so it prevents that compensation and it helps you to start working with it so it can keep in an even flow. To the heck equation, I would even add sleep and mood. I know that which sleep can kind of go along with uh, your energy, but I know that if I find myself in a period of time where I'm needing a lot more sleep than my chronotype, my sleep chronotype requires of me or that I generally need, or I get super moody, which usually goes along with just being overly tired, then I know that something in my metabolism is starting to compensate and something in my hormonal flow is starting to compensate and I just need to make a change based off of that. Maybe it's kind of pulling the reins back and just cleaning up my diet or getting more rest, exercising less. This is one of the biggest things that I found in my body. I used to push myself all day, no matter what hormonal cycle I was in, no matter if I was sick or injured, I would I would kind of do the same intensity. I owned a gym, so I want to blame it on the fact that I had to, but I really didn't. And what I'm really learning now is that we can't beat our body into submission. Two workouts a day is not going to make you achieve lasting health. It might achieve quick weight loss, but weight loss that will come back to bite you in the end. But instead, now I just really focus on honoring my body. So if I feel like I'm experiencing some sort of illness or I am exceptionally tired or moody, I really back off the intense exercise, the short bouts of intense exercise exercise I do weekly and just move it back to walking because walking is something that actually helps fight cortisol and release things like oxytocin in our brain, which are relaxation hormones. So again, just kind of listening to your body, creating some sense of self-awareness and you know if your hack is out of check, your mood is out of check, then you need to change things up and switch it up. We need to stop ignoring our body's uniqueness and start embracing it, which is a fine line between body acceptance and not becoming stagnant there. You know, I'm all about body acceptance, loving who you are right now, because if we aren't accepting of who we are right now, will never be accepting of us no matter what weight we hit, but it's also being accepting of who you are, loving who you are, but still desiring and being disciplined to make changes to live a healthier life. Not to get to a certain weight or a certain gene size, but really to achieve ultimate health. And here's the deal. Lasting health isn't just a point that we hit and it's over. Lasting health is a continuous life journey, just like growing closer to God or deepening your relationships. It's not like you once you get there, you stop trying and you just live. It's choosing to live and constantly walking on that journey to lasting health. It's Again, it's not a stopping point. It's something that we do for the rest of our lives and choosing to embrace that. It's not a hard thing. And I think that's hard to think about because generally when we think about dieting, we think about this all or nothing approach. We think about this consumption of life and restriction and starvation and we think bad things. But here's the thing, just like fostering a relationship, you're fostering a relationship with yourself and that should be an exciting thing. That should be an enticing thing and something that you want to continue to do. So honoring your uniqueness is going to be huge. And again, that comes from self-awareness. Can you kind of see the underlying theme here? Self-awareness is huge. Number three, which is probably one of the biggest things that I see across the board with people and why when you're doing everything right and still not finding success is stress. We have too much stress. I'll get emails of people who write everything about how they're doing. They're exercising. You know, they're waking up. They're going, having consistent sleep patterns. They're eating really well. And then in the end, well, I have a really stressful job, but there's nothing I can do about that. That's fine if there's nothing you can do about it. But here's the thing. 
that stress is probably what's preventing you from getting at a healthy weight, from achieving health in general. And until that's dealt with, you'll never get there. And I know that's an unfortunate thing to say, and I'm not saying you have to quit your job if you have a stressful job. There are other ways to lower stress, which we'll talk about in a second, of prioritizing those things. But if you really are struggling with your health and you can't move beyond that and you start to add all these things in, this is just one of those big life choices that you have to make. You know, is there ways in your job that you can reduce the stress? Can you switch positions? Maybe it is requiring switching careers or switching jobs. I think that there's a lot of things to think about, but we have to know that any amount of stress, chronic stress that's present is going to build fat and at all costs prevent fat from being lost. So we really have to deal with this stress thing. Stress is something that we can control more than we think that we can control. It just seems easier to control diet and exercise. But I'm telling you, diet and exercise have nothing on stress. Stress is above those. It takes priority over those things. And so without dealing with stress, we'll never achieve lasting health that we want to. So we really have to start doing this. And scientifically, biologically, we know that stress activates the reward centers of the brain. And this makes us crave high calorie foods and cause the body to make new fat cells and grow those cells bigger. We know biologically that stress equates to fat every single time. In the short term, stress can be really good. It can actually help your body burn fat, right? But that's acute, quick acting stress. It's not long-term chronic stress. That's not stress day in and day out. So to overcome stress, you know, I think that we really have to stop and look at our lifestyle in this crazy busy life that we've created. I know I struggle with this all the time of I feel anxious if I'm not doing something like I should be working all the time even at night. I told my husband the other night when I was just anxious and unable to really relax when I was laying in bed at the end of the day and he wanted to watch a quick show and I just really couldn't settle down and he's like what is wrong and I was like I just feel like I need to be doing something even though I don't want to be doing something. And so it was stopping in that moment and just choosing to let that stuff go. Work will always be there. And instead, just knowing that by fostering this time of rest and relaxation, then I was going to have more to give the next day. I mean, have you ever had those days where you work all day long? You never really sit down. You just work from sunrise to sunset. And then you wake up the next day knowing you have to work again. And your productivity and your creativity and your drive just kind of tank. And you just find yourself sitting there even more discouraged than when you began. And it just starts this vicious cycle. So prioritizing rest, recovery, and relaxation is kind of the cure to what to do when you feel like you're doing everything right and you're not seeing results. This is critical. I mean, mindset is is huge, right? We have to change our mindset to allow ourselves to actually rest and recover. But if we can wrap our minds around this, this is huge. So what you need to do is every day prioritize resting, recovery, and relaxation. And that's an everyday thing. I know that can sound so selfish to some people, but I can assure you that taking 30, 60 minutes to just finding rest and recovery and relaxation is going to be critical in your overall health and your overall productivity. Success in every area of life comes from fostering a relationship with yourself, fostering a relationship with God, fostering your health. There are so many things. So here are some ways that you could reduce stress in your life. 
Well, one, we know that laughing automatically lowers cortisol levels, which stems from, in the research, having good relationships, enjoyable relationships. And one of the greatest ways to do this is just to have relationships while you're eating those three meals a day. You know, make sure that you're doing that in an enjoyable situation, not eating over the sink, not eating in your car, not eating behind your desk, but really taking that time to sit down with other people and enjoy relationships, not to mention laughing, having fun, intimacy, And cuddling are both areas that release a lot of stress-reducing hormones. Walking, so a leisurely walk, a hike through the woods, all of those things, even though it's activity and movement, those are actually helping your body to rest and relax. Long showers, relaxing baths, reading a book, painting, doing hobbies, sleeping and napping, and prayer. Those are all huge ways and ways that we should actually schedule into our day to help us rest. For me, I personally know that stress was kind of the catapult that made my health sink into the bottom of the spit last year, and it was so hard to get out of, and I'm still recovering from that, but now more than ever, I understand and value what rest and relaxation does to my body, and I prioritize that. So I have a really strict morning routine, which I'll add to the show notes and the power of a morning routine. And part of that morning routine is prayer, getting in the word, you know, learning about God more and asking him to help me through my day, providing, finding strength in him instead of in myself. I also sit down with a nourish planner and why I'm so passionate about that project, the nourish planner is simply because this is a tool that helps you to organize your life, to simplify your life, to help you write it out so you know what your day looks like. And then you can start taking off things that really don't help your health at all. Saying no first that you have more yeses to say to later on to things that you really want to do. And again, the nurse planner has really helped me sort through this. It helps me to budget, to meal plan, all things that really cause great stress in my life. And it helps me to organize and sort through those. So using that and keeping track of my day and my most important to do's, but also making sure that I'm taking the appropriate time to rest and recover. There are so many ways to rest and recover. And, and my challenge to you is if you, do, if you do nothing else from this, take 20 or 30 minutes every single day and make it something that you enjoy, something that you find rest and relaxation in. Like I said, I start off my day with it. I try to add something in midday, you know, through my lunch break. And then at the end of the day, something I committed to after I got sick was that I either take a bath or a shower at the end of every day, because that is so relaxing and comforting to me before I rest at night. And so those are some things that I've done. And my newest challenge and one of my goals this year is to read more. And so every night at the end of the night, when I'm putting the girls to bed and after I put the girls to bed, instead of sitting and flipping through my phone at Instagram feed or Facebook feed, I've chosen to turn off my phone at night And instead, I just read. And surprisingly, I've gone through what it's it's the middle of January and I have already read through at least six books. I'd have to count, but I've gone through a lot of books and I'm like really impressed because last year I did not get through that many and I said I didn't have time. I have time. I have more time than I know. And it meant just putting away all the other stuff that causes me more stress and trying to keep up with the Joneses and everything else. And really just fostering a relationship with God, with myself, with my body, and ultimately my passions and my missions and the relationships of other people. So just kind of getting deeper and really understanding what values I have. And you do this too, what values you have and where you want to go and and fostering that and spending time and making time for those things. So reducing stress, this is huge and this is a key piece. Again, as long as you're stressed, you will not lose weight. 
It cannot happen physiologically, biologically, it will not happen. And so we have to reduce stress. And that means even if you're doing everything right, but your job is really stressful, you gotta deal with that if you wanna see results. Stress equates to disease and weight gain every single time. Stress causes nothing but harm in our life. And the more we worry about stress, the more stress we're gonna have. And and I just posted a, a blog post on why you can get fat by just looking at food and why that's actually biologically possible. And it all has to do with stress. So really working to eliminate stress. We'll talk about more in just a second on how you can do that. I have six ways to help you really take these points and put them into your life to help you start seeing changes so that you're no longer stuck. But the fourth thing is changing your mindset. And I love this quote from Joyce Myers out of the book, Battlefield of the Mind. Our past may explain why we're suffering, but we must not use it as an excuse to stay in bondage. And I think so for so much of us, whether we know it or not, our past is defining our present and it's not where we wanna go. If you had hurt in your past, if you had weight issues in your past, if you had health issues in your past, there is a different way, but that means stepping outside of your mindset, out of your past and what's going on in your mind because our mindset ultimately is gonna create victory. So we have to start dealing with the things of our mind. We have to start choosing to have positive thoughts, choosing to think that we can have a success. You know, there's the quote, what we think is what we are. And so we have to really start choosing to have a change in mindset, to let go of the lies that can destroy our lives, take us into that negative pit that is so horrible and choose a positive way and a positive thinking. So as long as you think you'll never achieve success or as long as you think, nothing is working, nothing is going to work. We really have to get out of our own mind, step aside and get out of our own way and start believing the truth that there is a better way, that there is hope and start running towards that and praying for that and accepting that and really just, again, changing our mind, letting go of our past, setting it aside and not using it as an excuse to stay in bondage, but ultimately choosing a new path, a path of positivity, of positive thinking, and running towards that because that is where we're going to find victory. And here are some ways that you could do this. And these are my six tips that I'm going to leave you with on how you can actually take these things and make changes so that you can get unstuck. The first is journal. And I used to, like I said before, I used to hate journaling. Like, absolutely did not get it. I didn't like writing. I didn't like writing short stories in school. I was like the multiple choice kind of girl on any kind of test, right? Give me numbers. Give me a science words. I was good to go. Anytime you got into like the English language, anytime you got into the English classes and journalism and literature, I was just checked out. That was not for me. But here's the deal. Journaling is extremely therapeutic It allows you to take what's happening inside your mind and to put it on paper, which in most cases is easier than actually verbalizing them. Not only that, it helps you to build off of that, remember that, kind of see trends in that. Journaling and the research is just extremely valuable in decreasing stress and actually helping you to create success in your own life. So first, journaling allows you to get into the right mindset. So what I want you to do is I want you to lay out your past. You know, where have you been? What has your lifestyle created in this chapter book of your health and where are you currently? And from there, you can create a new story or new chapters based off of where you've been. So you have to deal with your past so that you can fully move on to a new future. And as long as that past is there that's been undealt with, you'll probably really never be able to move beyond that. So just move beyond that. Deal with that. It can be painful. It can be angry. It can be scary. For some of you, it might not be that difficult at all, but what's preventing you? What's keeping you in bondage? And what can you break so that you can move forward? 
So start believing in something greater. Write something greater. Set aside the lies that fill your mind and choose to have victory over your mind. This is key and critical. Change your mind. So here's some questions to get you started. One is, what do you love about your body and your health? What areas are you looking to improve? What do you believe to be true about health and achieving lasting health? Like, what do you believe is the way to do this? What mindset shifts do you need to make and believe in order to find victory? And what's one change you can make today for your mindset and your daily action to start making changes to improve your health? So I want you to journal and think about those things journal daily, whatever you need to do can be really helpful. Remember though, our mindset sets our path. So make your mind a priority. The next thing that you can do is eat more of the right foods more often. And instead of, and I like to twist traditional advice of restrict, deprive, starve. And instead of taking out all these foods from your diet, why not just add in more of the right foods and kind of squeeze the bad things out, right? So instead of focusing on what you should get rid of, focus on what you can add to your diet. And every meal this week, I want you to think about one healthy thing you could add to your diet to make it more rich and to make it more satisfying. Number three is to exercise smarter or move more. So remember, focus on neat, which is just more movement throughout the day, whether that means getting a Fitbit or choosing to ride your bike to work or focusing just more on continuous activity as opposed to a duration activity. By all means, continue on doing your exercise, you know, whether you go to a spin class or an exercise class, but don't let that be your only thing. And in some cases, some of you might need to back off those fitness classes or back off the intensity. Listen to your body. Are you extremely fatigued? Are your muscles sore? Are you just tired? Are you getting sick often? All those things could be you need to back off or exercise less and just move more. Number four is get enough sleep. And this isn't just getting eight to nine hours a night. I think it's important to know your chronotypes. And we had Dr. Michael Bruce on the show, which I'll link up both of those episodes in the show notes. But chronotyping or knowing how much sleep that you actually need and when you're going to get the best sleep is kind of critical. Take the quiz, thepowerofwinquiz.com, and find out your chronotype, and then make sure you're getting adequate and consistent sleep based off of that chronotype. The next tip is practice rest-based living. This is really hard for us to hear because we live in busy living. And instead, we need to break down busy and instead just start practicing rest-based living. This means building more restorative and relaxation practices into your day. This could be waking up 10 or 15 minutes earlier, going to bed 10 or 15 minutes earlier, so you can use the power of a morning routine. You can start your day relaxed, or you can schedule a nightly walk-in. You can schedule time to read. Scheduling things in your day, making sure that you have it marked off and it's non-negotiable is kind of critical, especially because here's the deal. Time is always going to be filled, right? Whether we fill it or not, time is filled. And so start filling it with rest and rest-based living principles, as well as your daily activities. It's going to be a huge component in lowering stress and elevating those feel-good brain hormones that we're really looking for. And the last thing is just pay attention. Your body is constantly giving you biofeedback signals. It's constantly telling you things. So whether you're having joint angst or you're having headaches or you're seeing bloating or fluctuations in your weight, you know, follow that. Look for a standard that you feel is realistic for you that has 
healthy principles in it. And from there, just kind of be your own metabolic detective and go off of that and build on that. So you're constantly working for your body or working with your body instead of against it. So developing a sense of self-awareness is going to be critical of understanding your body and honoring it from that, not thinking, oh, I'm tired, but I know this 30, or I know this 60 minute workout is going to be critical, even though I have a stuffy nose and a sore throat, just push through. Pain is not always gain. And so stepping outside of that and instead choosing self-awareness. Remember, it's not about working harder or beating your body into submission. It is simply about learning, practicing, and mastering self-care time and time again. Our mindset is the catalyst for how we live our lives and our action and ultimately our success. We have to get in the right mindset. We have to honor our bodies and we have to reduce stress. This might take a radical shift in your mindset of finding hope, having faith, and believing in God and the body he has designed for you to treasure the temple of your body. And this really is the first step in lasting health. Then after that, you can slowly start incorporating lasting health principles of a lifestyle that fosters health. And I believe this is really like the snowball effect. Once you have the right foundation, the critical foundation of faith and believing in something greater and understanding the value of your body and your mind, then you can start compounding that. And it goes really, really quickly. But it's so different than what the diet industry teaches us time and time again. The biggest mistake I see so many people making is becoming really good at dieting or really good at exercising, but really bad at living life or vice versa. We have to intermingle it all together into one life. And that is how we find success. It's interwoven together into one complete lifestyle, not two totally separate things that become obsessive. Health lies in everything we do, including our thoughts. And that runs through our mind daily. While we'll be digging into the mindset more and kind of doing a back and forth between scientific metabolism and our mindset, as well as just realistic, healthy lifestyle changes you can incorporate. I thought a good resource for you because the mindset is such a critical component in this and having a great foundation is a book called Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Myers. If you haven't read it, pick it up because it can totally change and help showcase what the mind and the power of the mind has in our body and having that right right mindset can do for you. I'll link that in the show notes. But again, that's a battlefield of the mind by Joyce Myers. Again, it's just small changes. And I know this can be overwhelming and think, yeah, but she didn't give me any tips or strategies or eat this, not that. I would love to be able to do that. But what I know and what I absolutely believe to be true is that does not work long term. See, it's not just about what you eat or eating the next superfoods. Those can be all beneficial, but believing that is going to be your change is false. And we have to step outside of that mindset and just start to step into our uniqueness, owning our uniqueness and fostering that and fostering a healthy relationship with yourself and relationship with God and relationship with other people and finding joy. That's why my new slogan is get healthy live happy, and find joy because that is living life. So again, I so appreciate you being here for another show. We're going to keep traveling through metabolism, hormones, and mindset change through the next couple of months with a few amazing guests scattered in. I hope you'll stay tuned on this journey because I think that once we get that critical foundational piece right, then we can start to see these other changes, these health changes to come pretty naturally. If you're going along this journey and you're really looking for more of those food tips though, I know how important that can be. I did just launch my five-day hormonal reset program that doesn't just take into account food, but it also takes into account our lifestyle. So helping you get more in check, in tune with your own body and creating that self-awareness. 
It could be the jumpstart that your body needs. So to learn more about this five-day hormonal reset, head on over to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 046. You can also find all the rest of the information as well as the resources from today's show there. Before we go, I wanted to give one more quick shout out to our sponsor of today's show, Wellabs, the supplement company on a mission to bring you the highest quality supplements on the market while also giving back to those in need. Today's supplement feature is the sunshine vitamin, vitamin D3 plus K2. This liquid vitamin combo is your key to staying healthy even during the dark winter days. Yes and yes, right? We all need a little more sunshine in our life right now. And when the sun goes away, our body's vitamin D storage gets low. With every cell in our body using vitamin D, we need it to balance our blood sugar, build bone, boost our mood, and keep our immune system strong. The reason I love Wellabs vitamin D3 and K2 is because it uses organic palm oil, which helps your body to absorb it better. Not to mention, this is potent stuff, with one drop being all you need daily. We buy one bottle and it can last us all winter long. So to find out more about this vitamin D3 plus K2, an essential vitamin for all of us, check out mywelllabs.com to learn more and grab your own bottle. I can assure you it is the sunshine in a bottle you need to get through the rest of the winter months. I'll share a link to the supplement in the show notes. And don't forget to sign up to receive all the updates as well as exclusive content and free weekly and printable meal plans over at simplerootswellness.com. I'll soon be releasing some more of my nutrition programs and subscribers are always the first to know when they are released as well as often getting a little discount as the cherry on top. So head on over to simplerootswellness.com to sign up. And thanks again for tuning in to yet another show of Simple Roots Radio. I'm so glad you've joined me in this journey. I hope that today you can choose a different mindset to let go of the bondage of the past and really move forward to get health, finding joy, and most importantly, achieving happiness. Stay tuned next week to learn five ways to reset your hormones. And until then, here's to fully living this week.